This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. What a great morning. I'm so glad that you chose to come to church. We are going to have a great time. If you come here all the time, you know every Sunday is a learning Sunday. If you're brand new to New Life, get ready to learn. That's how we roll, right? Yes, we are ready to learn. So let me introduce you to a couple things in your program that will help you if you're brand new. And the first is the thing that sticks out, this Start Here card. We call it our Connect card because it's your all-access pass to our staff. It enables you to get the information you need. It enables you to pass on to us information that we would need in order to in any way come alongside you and help you in your spiritual growth and development. So on the front side, if you'll put your name and at least your email address... Then on the back side, you can ask us to pray about something in your life. You can ask for information about anything our church does. At the bottom, you can actually sign up for something. It's in your program today, and uh, Kevin will probably talk about that later. There's a place in the middle of the back side of the card that you can tell us how you're going to respond to what we're teaching today. And there's a, there's a podcast link that you may want to get. That's where I'll, I'll make it available to you later. But that's where you would sign up for that. And if you choose to become a Christian today and start following Christ today, which every Sunday in our church people do, um, that's where you would indicate that so that we can make sure that we get resources into your hands as you begin uh, to, to walk out this new life with Jesus. Plus, we want to pray with you about that. So that's what, that's what you can do with this. Set it aside at the very end of the service. We'll be collecting those in some baskets. Then the second thing that you will need is the teaching notes for what I'm going to teach you through this morning. And without any further ado, I'm going to jump into that because we have a ton of stuff to cover. So get your pencil out, get ready to write. We are in the middle of a teaching series called A Contrarian's Guide to Knowing God, not because we're contrary, but because so much of what knowing God, so much of what it takes to know God is actually counterintuitive to us. What, what you think we ought to be doing actually doesn't help us to get to know God. And what you might not think would be very powerful in your life or mine actually turns out to be the key. So that's why it's called a contrarian's guide to knowing God, spirituality for the rest of us. And and I want to tell you something this morning. One of the clear messages of the Bible is this, that if you choose to become a follower of Christ, that God will create a brand new nature on the inside of you. That literally, this person that's on the inside of you, though your personality will stay the same and lots of you will stay the same, there will be a fundamental change that happens way down inside you. And that's what God wants to have happen in your life because it makes life a much more peaceful, less chaotic your desires change, lots of things will change that actually make life wonderful for you. And that's called transformation. And really, in a nutshell, what we're talking about in this entire teaching series is how you and I can experience transformation. So I brought along something to help us get started. And it's a packet of seeds. I bought these at Kmart. Are you impressed? You didn't know that Kmart sold organic radish seeds. There you go. 
All right. Why the seeds? Because if you and I are going to experience transformation, you and I have to know something. And that is, if I go out and plant these seeds in the garden, and I, and I treat them right, they'll probably grow. Even though I cannot make a seed grow. If I put that seed in the ground and I water it and it doesn't grow, I can pick it, I can get it out of the ground, I can sing to it, I can hum to it, I can pet it, I can put it back in the ground. If it doesn't grow, I'm all out of luck. Got it? Because there's one thing I cannot do. I cannot put life in a seed. Only God can do that. And if he doesn't put any life in it, no matter what I do, I can't make it grow. Now, I could go to Kmart, buy my handy-dandy packet of radishes and say, I'm going to grow me some radishes, go home, throw them on a coffee table and say, all right, I'm praying God's going to make them grow. (laughs) What are the chances of that happening? Slim to none, right? Because even though only God can put life in a seed, I actually have a role to play in growing these seeds. And even though only God can transform your nature, you have a role to play in that transformation. This morning, we're not going to talk about your role. We're actually going to talk about how God puts life in the seed. Okay? We're going to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in our transformation. And I'm going to jump into it with a statement that Jesus made that absolutely shocked his followers. You'll see it up here on the screens. You will in just a minute. It's a scary morning. They gave me the clicker. All right. Here we go. Uh, Here's what Jesus said. We're missing one. All right. You're going to have to read it out of your notes. All right. So grab your notes. Here we go. I told you it's a scary morning when they give me the clicker. (laughs) Jesus said in John 16, 7, it is best for you if I go away. Whoa, time out. This is Jesus. This is God in human flesh on the face of the earth. And Jesus says, hey, I got an idea. How about if I bless you by leaving? And then he, he goes on to explain, because if I don't, the advocate, and I put in brackets the Holy Spirit, and I'll show you how I know that that's what he's talking about in a minute, won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Well, his followers were shocked. They didn't understand that. What could possibly be better than Jesus? Nothing could be. He healed people. Every single person who came to him, people would gather at his feet and he would teach them amazing principles and truths that that actually would really bless them. He never, ever sinned. He never, ever made a mistake. What could possibly be better than Jesus? And Jesus went ahead to explain this. I'm going to read you two more passages of Scripture. And, And the first is in a conversation that Jesus has with a woman beside a well... And this is a woman who had lived a pretty disreputable life. In fact, she had been married and divorced five times. And then she finally gave up on the marriage and then just decided to sleep with whoever came by. So here you go. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift that God has for you 
And who was speaking to you? You would ask me and I would give you, here's the two words you underline, living water. Because we're going to come back to those words and Jesus is too. I would give you living water. Anyone who drinks this water, this physical water from the well, Jesus said, well, they're soon going to become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Does that sound good? That sounds awesome. Jesus said, "There's I can give you something that actually bubbles up on the inside of you. Now, a couple chapters later, Jesus explains this to his followers. He says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of, there's those two words again, living water will flow where? Not into his heart, but where? From his heart. That's amazing. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. And then John, the author, notes, but the Holy Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. And I won't go into why that possibly had to happen that way, but let's just start with an understanding. How could it be better than Jesus? Very simply, Jesus was in one place, and if you wanted to get healed by Jesus, you had to come there. And not only that, the Holy Spirit was in Jesus, but not in anyone else. The people could hear the voice of the Spirit speaking through Jesus, but no one had the Holy Spirit in them. And Jesus said, hey, when I go away, I'm sending the Holy Spirit back. And here's the great thing. When the Holy Spirit comes back, you don't have to come to me to hear the voice of Jesus. The voice of the Holy Spirit will be in you. That's awesome, isn't it? Can I tell you as a pastor, if I had one prayer for every person in this room, it would be this, that you would in your lifetime, across the breadth of your life, that you would learn how to hear the voice of God's Spirit speaking in you. Because I can tell you there's nothing like it. It's awesome. Here are four truths that come out of those passages of Scripture. The first is this. Living water is a spring, not a pond. Got it? Never get stale. It's not, well, that's all you get. You parcel it out for the rest of your life. No, it's a spring. It continually bubbles up. And I will tell you this. The more you get in tune with the Holy Spirit, the bigger the bubbles. The more it bubbles. It's awesome. Number two. Living water is a spring but you still have to drink, right? You can have this living water in your soul, but if you never stop and you, and you don't stop and take long drinks of, of this fresh water that's in your soul, it doesn't do you any good. The third thing is this. Living water is a life source, not just a truth source. I find so often that when we start to follow Christ, we think, oh, well, he teaches me the truth, and it's my job to go out and live the truth. He teaches me the truth. It's my job to go out and translate that into my life. 
And, and I just want to tell you, yes, you do have a role, but I want you to understand that when God puts the Holy Spirit inside you, it's not just a source of truth where the Spirit tells you what to do. It's a life source. Have you ever been really dry and really parched and really thirsty on a hot day and someone came to you with a nice cold glass of water and you picked up that water and as you drank it, you could almost feel it going in to the pores of your skin. Have you ever felt that before? Friends, that's what he's saying. That's why I brought this, okay? I want you to know the Holy Spirit is core water. (laughs) Down here. Got it? That's why I had to get this brand, all right? It's even pH balanced so that you can stay (laughs) right where you need to be, all right? But it is a spring of living water inside us. It is a spring. It's a life source. And then number four, living water satisfies like nothing else on the earth. What did Jesus say? If you drink this water I give you, you will what? Never be thirsty again. You could buy a new car. I will guarantee you at some point you will want a different one. That's how that goes. No matter what you buy in this life, no matter what you get in this life, no matter what you chase... In this world, it always leaves you wanting more. But when you tie into God, there's a satisfaction that comes over you. And there will be times when you will sit in the presence of God and you will say, I'm so blessed. I don't need anything. So, why do I tell you these things? I'm getting ready to give you a list of ten things that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. And before I give you the list, I want you to know, because there's probably 15 or 20, and it was way too many for me to go through, and I'm literally, I'm going to do a transformation flyover. I mean, we're just going to buzz with these ten things that the Holy Spirit does. Um, But I want to tell you two things. I'm not going to tell you this list so you can check up on God to make sure he's doing his job. Because God will always do his job. He doesn't need you checking up on him. But here's the real reason that I'm telling you these things. Because, have you ever heard the statement, never send a boy to do what? A man's job. Okay? I want to take that, I'm going to play Emerald with you. We'll bam, take that up a whole new level, all right? Here it is. Never send a man or a woman to do God's job. It won't work. So the real reason that I want to just do this flyover is these are things that you and I oftentimes think we have to do, many of them. And we think we should do them for God. And when we do, we get in His way. And when we try to do God's job, we stink at it. Got it? And what's worse is not only that we stink at it, we get in his way. And then he can't actually do the job. You ever try to help a four-year-old tie their shoe? Right? Do myself. He said, oh, let me help you. Well, you know, pretty soon you think, just get your little grubby mitts out of the way and let me tie your shoe. Right? (laughs) 
Yes. I could have been done with this. I could have been done with this in 10 seconds. Right? Yes. I think sometimes God says to us, when we start messing in his stuff that he wants to do in our life, he said, get your old grubby mitts out of the way. And let me do this. So we're going to do a transformation flyover. Here we go. The Holy Spirit enables us to grasp spiritual realities. Many of the truths and many of the realities of the Christian life are actually counterintuitive to us, and they seem backwards to us. And in fact, the Bible says that they are actually spiritually discerned. There are some things you learn up here, and then they settle down into your spirit. But the Bible says there are some things that actually start here, and eventually they make sense to us. They have to be spiritually discerned. The Holy Spirit enables us to grasp those spiritual realities. The Holy Spirit helps us realize that we are God's child. The song, the last song that we sang, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And I'm loved by you. That's who I am. Friends, that's not an intuitive thing for any of us to actually believe and grasp that we are children of the living God. That we are royalty. We are sons and daughters of the King. The Holy Spirit helps that become a reality in our heart. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit breaks the power sin has over us. Heather referred to this this morning just prior to communion. But you and I have a bent towards sin and it holds power over us. And we find ourselves doing things that we don't want to do. We find ourselves saying things that we wish we had never said. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and breaks the hold, the power that sin has over us. And that's why when we try to stop sinning by ourselves, we're actually doing the work of the Holy Spirit, albeit very poorly, right? Yes. Fourth, the Holy Spirit actually changes our desires, that internal bent. You know, I wrote in my notes, we, every single person in the audience, myself included, we all have a love-hate relationship with sin. We love to sin, we do it, we hate how we feel afterwards. <laughs> Isn't that true? If you have an anger problem, when you get angry, man, it feels so good just to rip into somebody. And then when you're done, you feel so rotten. Yeah, we all have this love-hate relationship with sin. The Holy Spirit comes in and he begins to teach us how to love something other than sin and actually changes our nature. And when you change the nature of a, of a creature, you actually change their desires and their appetites. It's amazing. And I know I've experienced it in my own life and I am experiencing it day after day after day And things that used to be attractive to me no longer are. Many of you have have had this in its elementary form. I want to say at least once a month, somebody from our church will come up to me and pretty much have this conversation with me. Pastor, if you had told me three years ago that I would be going to church every Sunday, I would have looked at you and said, what are you smoking? That is never going to happen in my life. And yet here I am every single Sunday, and it's my favorite 
time of the week. You know what they're really saying? The Holy Spirit got into my life and actually changed my desires. Do you think it's miserable for those people? Do you think you get up and white knuckle it? I got to go to church again. Okay, here we go. See about done. Yeah. No, because their desires have changed. Then here, the Holy Spirit guides us through life. In my notes, I just put, it's like an internal GPS. And when we're in life and we're lost, we go, I have no clue what to do. If we will listen, the voice of the Holy Spirit says, I got an idea. How about this? Let's go do this. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit guides us through life. Here are five more. The Holy Spirit stays with us at all times. It took me decades to actually understand and grasp that. And it took seven hours in the back of an auto rickshaw, bouncing around the streets of Lahore, Pakistan, in the middle of the night, scared out of my mind for God to get that message through to me. And the Holy Spirit finally helped me see, hey, Ron, I am right here. Are you okay? I'm not leaving. Nothing's going to happen to you tonight that I don't know about and that I won't be with you in. And I finally came to peace in the back of that auto rickshaw in the middle of Lahore, Pakistan, in the middle of the night. Now, the Holy Spirit befriends us. It's not like the Holy Spirit says, I'm here, trust me. The Holy Spirit actually befriends us, checks in with us, not checks up on us, checks in with us. Hey, Ron, how are you doing? I was just thinking as I was going over this message again in my heart and mind earlier this morning, how that the Holy Spirit never ever says to me, Ron, you should do this. When I stopped and realized, you know what the Holy Spirit always says to me, and I know he would say it to you? He never says, Ron, you should. He says, Ron, let's go do. Let's do this. Not you should. Let's do this. He befriends us. The Holy Spirit supplies the proper words for us. Have you ever said something that you wish you wouldn't have said? Yes? Have you ever had someone ask you a question and you really wish that you knew what to say in that moment of time and you were afraid to open your mouth because whatever came out you knew later you were going to regret? Yes, we've all, we all have those moments. You know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit actually supplies the words we need. That's awesome. So if I would spend less time trying to figure out what to say and spend more time saying, Holy Spirit, show me what to say, I probably would say better things. No, I know I would. Here's another thing. The Holy Spirit translates our prayers. Think about this. When, when you get ready to pray to God, you don't know what to say. Everybody here has been in that spot, right? There's no one here that says, I always know what to say to God. No. Yeah. We get in those moments. You know what the Bible says? The Holy Spirit actually reads our spirit. And then the Holy Spirit says to our loving Father, Hey, what what my friend over here is trying to say is this. (laughs) And then the Holy Spirit 
says it perfectly. That's why sometimes our prayers get answered before we pray them. Yeah. The Holy Spirit was already reading your spirit and was already translating that to God, your Heavenly Father. And God took action before you ever verbalized it. Now the bottom line is, here's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. His job is to form Jesus in us. Friends, you may try to imitate Jesus, but you can never form Jesus in you. You can ask yourself the question, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? And then you can go out and try to mimic that. And I'm not saying that's a bad question to ask, but I want to tell you, if you spend your whole life imitating Jesus, you will be a very poor reproduction of the real deal. Wouldn't it be better if you invite the Holy Spirit into your life and the Holy Spirit, instead of teaching you how to imitate Jesus, the Holy Spirit would actually form Jesus in you. That's the invitation and the opportunity that God gives to all of us. Let my spirit come into your life and he will begin to form Jesus in you. So, what does that transformation look like? How does that happen? Well, first of all, I want to remind you, I didn't give you that list of 10 things so you can check up on God, all right? Why that list of 10 things? So that you can learn to rely on God to do that instead of trying to do it yourself. Here's how it works. Our transformation is not something we do for God, and it isn't even just a gift that we receive from God any more than I can take this packet of seeds, throw it on the table, and say, there's my garden. Right? It's not just a gift I receive from God. And I can't put life in the seed. I can't make myself transform. But here's the amazing thing. Transformation is something that just happens in us. And it happens in us as we engage with God over the years of our life. And, and I wanted to read an excerpt from a, from a very traditional um, story that maybe was read to you in grade school. The story of the Velveteen Rabbit. Remember the story? Some of you are going, golly, that must have been back in Noah's day. All right, here we go. All right. This is, this is an interchange, a small excerpt in that story between the skin horse, which is a horse with the horse head and the tail and the, the stick that comes out, and a, and a rabbit that's covered in velvet. What is real? asked the rabbit one day when they were laying side by side near the nursery before Nana came to tidy the room. Does it mean having this buzz inside you and a stick-out handle? Real isn't how you're made, said the skin horse. It's a thing that happens to you. When a child loves you for a long, long time, not just to play with, but really loves you, then you become real. Hmm. Does it hurt? asked the rabbit. Well, sometimes, said the skin horse, for he was always truthful. When you're real, you don't mind being hurt. Hmm. Does it happen all at once, like being wound up? Or, or does it happen bit by bit? 
Well, it doesn't happen all at once, said the skin horse. You become. It takes a long time, and that's why it doesn't often happen to people who break easily or have sharp edges or have to be carefully kept. Generally, by the time you're real, most of your hair has been loved off, your eyes drop out, and you get loose in the joints and very shabby. But these things don't matter at all. Because once you're real, you can't be ugly except to people who don't understand. I want to tell you that transformation in life is like that. As you and I engage with the Holy Spirit... And we respond. Something happens in us and we become. Because he's forming Christ in us. And one day you will look in the mirror and you will go, Oh my gosh, I hardly know the person that used to be there. Not because I have made something wonderful of myself but because God's Spirit has actually changed me. So how does that happen? Well, you and I have a couple of things. Here's our role. To choose and engage. And as I was praying about this this morning, God said, I want you to put a third word on there, so here it is. You got the latest revision. Okay? Choose, engage, and respond. Those are our roles. And in closing, I, I brought along a picture, and I wanted to show you the picture. I wish I could tell you that I painted that. I didn't actually paint that, but I love mountains, and I love the beautiful water at the base of the mountain. But the reason I brought the picture along is this, and I'll, I'll put it up on the screens for us. This picture was actually not painted by an artist. It was painted by a dummy just like me. I have no artistic ability, so there you go. How did they manage to paint such a beautiful picture? Well, they didn't actually. This is a paint-by-number picture. Right? And the amazing thing about a paint-by-number picture is the actual concept for the picture was created by someone who is an artist. And that artist simply took a picture and they broke it down into thousands of tiny little shapes. And they put a number inside each shape that represents a corresponding color. And the amazing thing about a paint-by-number picture is anybody in this audience could actually paint it. Because you don't have to have any artistic ability. And here's the amazing thing. Anybody in this audience could live a transformed life because you don't have to have the ability to transform your life to live a transformed life. Because the architect or the artist behind your transformed life is actually the Holy Spirit. So here's what you and I get to do. 
the Holy Spirit says to us, let's paint this little shape this color. Really? That color? Yep. Well, that's water. And you're telling me to paint it grayish black. Isn't this a fresh mountain stream? Yep, it is. But trust me, it needs a little grayish black in there. And so we pick up the paintbrush and with the Holy Spirit, we paint that little place. And then the Holy Spirit says, let's paint this, this little space, this color. And let's paint this little space, this color. And as you and I continue to paint with the Holy Spirit, what begins to emerge? A beautiful picture. You see, transformation is not something we do for God. It's not even a gift that we just receive from God. It's something that happens in our life as we engage with the Holy Spirit over the years of our life. Does that make sense to everybody? That's the journey that God has called us to. So what are our, what are our roles? Our role, first of all, is to choose. And if you look on the, at the bottom of your notes or on the back of your Connect card, the invitation is, for some of us, if you have not chosen to begin this life with Jesus, then you have not yet accepted his invitation to transformation. You have not yet accepted his invitation to have your sins forgiven and to be given the wonderful gift of eternal life and to begin walking through this life with Jesus. And this morning, Jesus gives that invitation to you, not me. I'm extending it to you personally, but it really comes from him. I speak on his behalf. And if you haven't made that decision and made that choice, that's where you begin. And that's where you say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm ready to walk with you for the rest of my life. Please forgive me of my sins. I'll lead you in a prayer that will help you get started on that journey in just a minute. So that's the first option. The second suggestion that I've made is uh, in our Mac teaching series on Wednesday night, uh, recently we had, a, we had a time where we talked about our role in transformation, and it takes the things I've talked about this morning and expands them a little further. If you would like a link to that podcast, uh, we would send you that, that link, and you could listen to it this week. And if you put that teaching together with this teaching, I think it will really help you grasp how to walk in this new way of life. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a short prayer. If you're ready to make that decision to follow Jesus, then this is the prayer. Let's all close our eyes. And you can say this prayer right where you are. Lord Jesus, today I choose to follow you with my life. I trust that your death on the cross paid the penalty for my sins, and I accept your invitation of transformation. And I pray it in your name. Amen. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.